Hello there, it's a freezing cold morning in December and Britain is experiencing one of the coldest snaps in some parts since 2010 and I am gingerly driving my Toyota Sora through the West Midlands on the only stretch of road that is clear of snow and frost because I'm on my way to RAF Cosford to pick up a vehicle that is ideally suited for these conditions. Hello, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth, and like I told you a moment ago, I'm on the road again. And as befits almost all episodes of Gareth Jones on Speed, I am actually on my way to Wales, as usual, but sort of indirectly. I stayed last night in Solihull in the West Midlands with my mate Vinny, because I'm supposed to be at RAF Cosford fairly early in the morning to pick up an interesting car and I realised with the massive snowfall that we've just had that it might be a good idea to split the journey so I came up from London last night stayed at Vinnie's and now I'm gingerly driving it's only 30 miles per hour on the only lane on this steel carriageway that's working towards Birmingham and I'm afraid I'm going to plug into the whole M6 chaos and fight my way to Cosford but when uh, I get to Cosford I've got a very interesting car to drive as you know it's the new Mercedes X-Class pickup and as you know I love a pickup Zog doesn't but I think they serve a great purpose this is an interesting one because this is a premium pickup this is the poshest pickup you can pick up we think there are three different versions I don't know which ones I'm going to drive but what I do know is that when we collect the car from Shropshire which is on the English Welsh border we then drive to Bala in North Wales a place I know rather well and we can go and do a bunch of things before we do a bit of off-roading and then we do a bit of tour of North Wales then we get to stay at possibly the most exciting place in Wales for me but more on that later because I really have to concentrate on the driving at the moment because I'm in a low slung rear wheel drive coupe and uh, I don't want to have the back end overtake the front end at any point as we approach this roundabout so stick with me because it's going to be fascinating can you imagine going off-road in these conditions Can you hear that? The sound of uh, snow underfoot, crumping. I've arrived at RAF Cosford on the most exquisite morning. The skies are, I don't know, 30% covered in cloud. The airfield, because there's an RAF museum here based on an old RAF base, RAF Cosford, which is still active. The museum is completely snowscaped. Beautiful, bright reflected light with a blue hint to it, it's lovely and there are aircraft parked around I can see a VC-10 which is used as a tanker I think covered in snow a Bristol Britannia 
covered in snow, I think that's a Britannia, and a C-130 Hercules over in the distance, completely covered in snow, quite beautiful. Mercedes-Benz have got a row of the X-Class pickups. How many do I see? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Oh, crikey, there must be 30 or 40 of them here. So I'm going to get in them and drive them. First of all, I'm going to go to a briefing and find out all about the machine that I'm about to take into Wales. Cool. Smoothly at 60-something miles per hour on the A5. We've just turned off the M5 and we're heading towards North Wales. I say we because on these sort of press junkets, you're paired up with someone to share a vehicle. And I've been paired up with Max Walker from companycarandvan.co.uk. Max... Have you driven all the pickups? Prepare to keep right and then leave the following roundabout up the for my sins, I and have. continue to follow and, uh, towards North Wales. I suppose in a corny kind of way, there isn't really a bad pickup out there. They're all pretty yeah, good. But this, this one is being aimed to try and tempt people to spend more money on their pickup. It's more of a luxury end model. It looks like it inside. We know there's an awful lot of Nissan Navara in this. Are they actually built in the same factory? Do you no, know? I don't actually know that. But we'll have to find it, out. Yeah, when we stop off in a couple of hours, we'll ask that question. But both of us having driven the Navara, it looks very different inside. It I mean, it's does. got this sort of bushed aluminium sort of look. It's got lovely colour, soft plastics. Which one is this? This is the Progressive, which is sort of the middle of the range. So you can imagine that the premium version is even more luxurious than this. It looks niftier than the Navara, doesn't it, Max? It does. It feels a lot more upmarket. Mercedes obviously spent a bit of time and money thinking about the kind of customer that wants to buy this product. Obviously, when we're selling advertising in our publication and on the website, we speak to the dealer network and also our readers email in and ask questions. And there is a big demand for luxury end pickups at the moment. Yeah. I'd say that there's a top-end model from each brand, but the two that tend to be fighting out of the top currently would be the Ranger Wildtrak from Ford yeah. and the Amarok from Volkswagen. Yeah. And they tend to be very popular. You'll often see perhaps a guy who drove a Range Rover or even a Porsche SUV maybe driving an Amarok. Yeah, I would say the same of the pickups I've driven. I haven't driven the Ranger, but I've driven the Amarok, I've driven the Navara, driven the new Hilux. Of those three, I think my favourite was the Amarok. It felt like a Golf GTI. It was the manual version. It had a great rear end. It wanted you to drive it. And these are tremendous alternatives to the big expensive 4x4 with twice the load capacity if you've got a lifestyle do you have a lifestyle you know (laughs) if you go canoeing if you go jet skiing if you go camping all that room in the back it makes perfect sense and it's every bit as refined as a great deal 4x4s it it is but I mean I often have friends and neighbours dads at rugby when I'm there in a pickup salivating at a pickup from the outside it's a bit yeah. of a bloke thing yeah but sitting in the back is not as comfortable as you would find it in a standard suv the product is built to carry around a ton of weight for example we went to turin last year a group of journos to drive the new fiat pickup the fallback uh-huh. and when we arrived up in the mountains each one that was there for us to drive they had a 1000 kilogram weight in the back bricks or hay And you do notice immediately that the vehicle drives better. Having said that, you mentioned the Amarok, and I agree with you, that 
to me is currently the most car-like pickup out there and they've got a new three litre engine in that as well which is fantastic so i think this product from mercedes is really competing with that probably more than the ranger wild track yeah we like a bit of prestige you know if you're buying a pickup it's a sort of a utilitarian purchase but to be able to slap on top of that a degree of aspirational quality you know that big mercedes grill it's going to do well isn't it it is i think to give you an example about using a pickup as a family car my wife and a friend went down from manchester to birmingham last week in the fiat fullback to watch my son play a rugby game now we had a lot of wet weather and bad weather stuff with us we had to put it in the cab so i would strongly suggest if you are looking at one of these for lifestyle that you consider getting a cover for the back yeah you can get a roll cover which will cost you a bit more you can get a proper cover for the whole of the rear of the car but what it then gives you is a proper place to store stuff like walking boots and things like that if you've got an open backed pickup there's not a lot you can put in the back without strapping it down so the only thing i've had in my pickup this week was the christmas tree perfect the navara we took to le mans we drove through three thunderstorms now we did have a cover over the back but it wasn't completely watertight and when you choose your top you need to make sure that one is it had a corrugated floor so anything sitting on the floor if it was above the corrugations didn't get wet which way would it go left or straight on we go straight on if you like yeah the scene by the way i should point out it is completely (laughs) christmas card at the moment the road that we're on the a5 is clear but the amount of snow and filthy slush on the side of the road is terrific really but yeah sorry we're not carrying anything in the load bay we've got our stuff it's a double cab on the back seat because it would be getting wet right now when you're in the front of one of these pickups it does feel like driving a normal car but i would urge caution for people sitting in the rear it isn't as comfortable as a luxury SUV one of my neighbours is the head fireman at Altrincham Fire Station and he asked me a couple of years ago I'm thinking of getting a pickup he's currently got a Hyundai soft roader SUV and I did say to him if you get one you and your wife in the front will be fine but in the back it is not as comfortable plainly on the A5 or any motorway it's absolutely fine but speed bumps or anything bumpy you will find a pickup not to be as comfortable for anyone in particularly in the rear i would say it's got commercial suspension it's designed to accommodate a wide range of loads from very heavy and there's always going to be compromises and you're right the heavier you load it up that's what it's meant to do i think the other thing is when i did the navara launch in yorkshire gareth a couple of years ago and nissan made a big point of telling us that they fitted a system to try and soften that bounce in the back and I would imagine or hazard a guess that this Mercedes X-Class that we're in today has got the same system fitted. So yep. perhaps later on today when you're driving, I can sit in the back. And okay. if, I, if I fall asleep, then <laughs> everything that I've said will I'll be utter rubbish. But it may not be as bumpy in the back of this as some other pickups that I've driven. That's true. It's been a long time since anyone managed to fall asleep in a car I was driving, Max. <laughs> Always the first time, mate. The light's going already, actually, isn't it? Yeah, it is. We've just got back in the X-Class, me and Max, after a first-class lunch. I'm not going to get too George Bishop on this. At the (laughs) Gorwellion restaurant, which we can recommend, near Bala in North Wales. 
Bala, uh, Bala, as we call it in Welsh, the name of the town. People say, oh yeah, Bala Lake. Ah, the lake isn't called Bala. The lake is called Llyn Tegid, Tegid Lake. Uh, I'm not sure who Tegid was. A fair prince, if I remember. But we're back in the X-Class and enjoying it. You know, I was just talking to Violet on the phone, Max, and I was telling her about how the off-road section has been cancelled. Oh yeah, we didn't tell you that, did we? Yeah, unfortunately because it's icy the off-road course we were going to do isn't operating, so no off-road in this. But Violet made the point well, you probably need a 4x4 even on main roads in Wales in the winter. (laughs) But the roads have been really clear, Max, haven't they? Yeah, they've done a great job, the local council here I mean, considering how many roads they've got to do over such a wide area I'm yeah. surprised we've been able to drive in fact I've just switched to two wheel drive because we don't need four wheel drive yeah, correct I was about to talk about that I think Violet has a point though the number of narrow places if we had seen a car coming the other way I would have had to pull onto the soft verge in my Sora I would never have got going again it would just bottomed out but this thing no problem it just skeezes away and yeah we've been driving around I drove it for a bit Max drove it for a bit in four wheel drive and it just requires a really heavy boot to sort of get it going you have to drive it like a truck was the impression it wasn't light to touch but now we're in rear wheel drive difference yeah it's certainly a bit lighter and feels a bit more nimble and like a road car we're just driving alongside Sintegid, which is a fantastic expanse of water the longest expanse of water in Wales I think it's six kilometers at its longest which is sort of diagonal however I'm going to swim that one day. I've been practising, doing a lot of swimming, but it's a big ask to swim Sintegid, but I'm going to do that. But more on that another time. This isn't Gareth Jones on water, this is Gareth Jones on speed. More car-like, you said, before I took that short diversion, Max? Yeah, definitely when you change, you've obviously got the options in a pickup of four-wheel drive or two-wheel drive, and there's other options as well if you're off-road. But when you're on-road and it's not icy, two-wheel drive works pretty damn well. Yeah, it was a bit reluctant to turn in, was my impression, in four-wheel drive. You have to really turn it in to get it to bite, but now it's a bit more oversteery, isn't it? Yeah, it just becomes more like a a normal family car. Similarly, if you're buying a modern van, you'll find they're driving more like modern cars as well. They may not offer four-wheel drive, some do, but despite their size, most modern cars and vans do handle pretty well. I blame Richard Parry Jones, a Welshman, of course, who was head of the Ford Motor Company for a while, and he instilled dynamics into the cars. He made the Ford Focus a tremendous handling car, and I remember he was responsible for the Transit as well. Um, The Transit's always been one of the better handling of all vans, and Richard Parry Jones is responsible for that. So if everyone has to compete with the Transit, Richard Parry Jones has upped the ante. Thank you. See, we Welsh, we can find a way back to anything that's Welsh (laughs) we're going to go on a bit of a tour of North Wales not entirely certain where we're going to go on the way to our ultimate destination but I can tell you what the ultimate destination is now Port Meirion a fantastic Italianate village on the Llyn Peninsula that top left hand bit that sticks out of Wales that I think was designed by what's his name William Clough Ellis if memory serves and it's a magical looking place it looks like Portofino in Italy but it's in North Wales if you've ever heard of a TV series called The Prisoner 
that was filmed there in about 1967 and I've visited it many many times Port Marion but I've never stayed there and the idea of staying at Port Marion is genuinely exciting and to be fair we've got to allow ourselves to get a bit excited about this car Max really because they've done a good job haven't they? Yeah they have Mercedes are telling the journos assembled today that it's the first high-end pickup on the market from a luxury brand where I guess they're comparing themselves with the likes of BMW and Audi yeah and if that's the case then that's obviously true although the Volkswagen Amarok is pretty good as well and is kind of up the ante as far as pickups go I would agree oh and we're just passing Glan Lid. I'm so sorry to do this to you but that's the Welsh centre I used to go to as a kid to learn to be extra Welsh really <laughs> finding it very difficult to talk about anything else other than Wales I'm sorry but you're right about the prestige thing they've done well inside there's some nice tan colour leather I like that and the screen is nice and there's some shiny bezel activity as well it does look closer to a 4x4 than a van but this is the what do they call this is the progressive one the middle one isn't it but there's an entry level model as well with steel wheels now I love the utilitarian appeal and quality of that as well you get that don't you I do you don't necessarily have to go for the top model in the range I guess Mercedes feel that they need to have an entry-level model which would be more appealing to tradespeople that would yep. actually use a pickup for what it's designed for, which is being a pickup. Yeah. Whereas if you're about town in a Chelsea tractor or a Cheshire tractor, then maybe you want to go for the top-of-the-range pickup. This thing is bound to be capable. I'm not sure what the figures are for the Navara, the Hilux and the Amarok whether this has an increased load capacity or better performance in any way than the Navara, which it's so closely related to. But it screams Mercedes-Benz. You cannot ignore that grille. And it's more like a Mercedes 4x4 grille in personality than a Mercedes van. So, you know, it really does carry that premium quality aspirational thing do you know what I mean it doesn't look like a van it's no, got a lifestyle it, it looks like a lifestyle pickup yeah. which is becoming increasingly popular even Isuzu's D-Max and they have a fairly big UK dealer network they have a top of the range model blade and I would be pretty confident in saying that that's by far their best selling model right and it's the top of the range most expensive one they have a utility model right but it's not as popular as the top of the range and I'm guessing Mercedes will probably sell more mid and top of the range models than the utility one that we I mentioned bet. before you get a lot for your money with a pickup you know you get a lot of the stuff that you get in a luxury 4x4 but you get your VAT back if you're clever you know what I mean sorry Lewis Hamilton gets his VAT back if he buys a pickup <laughs> yeah. that's the appeal it's a cheaper alternative to something that provides in many ways more ability than the average 4x4 it is but I think speaking to some of the pickup manufacturers or distributors in the UK there is a worry amongst some of them that the government will look at pickup sales which are approaching 50,000 units a year uh-huh. and think that the VAT scheme may have to be changed obviously the flip side of that is that small businesses buy pickups and individual farmers people like that and in reality those are the kind of businesses that keep the economy moving like right. van drivers so yeah. if you take the VAT discount off a pickup 
just to get some money back at HMRC, it may not be the most logical thing to do, but there are some in the pickup market at the manufacturer's head offices who are a bit worried about the government taking a look at the VAT discount. Wow, that's interesting to know. We get quite a lot of traffic on Gareth Jones on Speed. For what is, you know, a car programme, you'd expect most of the people who listen to the programme to really only be interested in Porsches and race cars and futuristic cars. But I've done a number of things about pickups on the programme recently, and we get a huge amount of communication from people who live out in the countryside, work on farms, need something like this, but actually genuinely enjoy ability and performance. Zog, on the other hand, I should say, Zog of the programme, hates the pickup. He says they've no business anywhere other than on a ranch in America. <laughs> I don't think that's really true. We spoke about the ride earlier being a bit bumpy, but yep. it's not really bumpy. It's no. just not as good as a soft road SUV. I think you could quite happily live with a pickup truck in the UK. And we've got good roads. I mean, we've been driving through Wales today and we've had terrible weather, but the roads are clear. They've done a really good job. So it's great to have the four-wheel drive option. And certainly, I'm sure you've noticed this too, Gareth, today, a lot of other vehicles on the road are pickups around here. Yeah, yeah. Similarly, if you go to North Yorkshire, you see a lot of pickups and Range Rovers and Land Rovers out and about there because there is the odd chance of this inclemental weather that we do get. Yeah you're dead right we often criticize those of us who live in metropolitan areas yeah tremendous view by head it's at the edge of Cadaridris there possibly we're going into Snowdonia now heading north from Bala man actually we're heading west aren't we towards Barmouth but skirting Snowdonia there are those of us who criticize seeing big leggy vehicles in towns as a fashion accessory but you know if you do live even 100 yards from the clear road that we're on right now it's impassable for possibly three months of the year so you can see why people living in the countryside need cars with four by four traction and a bit of height underneath them otherwise you're in a toboggan aren't you I noticed this week on Twitter, I'm a member of the Northern Motoring Writers Group, and one of the guys, Andy Harris, who lives in North Yorkshire, yeah. has been espousing the benefit of all-wheel drive tyres. Oh, yeah. Um, oh. Winter tyres, and there are quite a few people who have tried normal cars with winter tyres. I have to say I've never done it, and they've found them to work really, really well, whether you're in a 4x4 vehicle or not. I have to say that where we are with the hills and the inclines I think you do need 4x4 but certainly there will be some places where maybe winter tyres might be an option In some European countries it's compulsory you have to fit winter tyres during the winter months and there's a sort of an exchange scheme that goes on where they store your tyres you get winter wheels and tyres and get your summer wheels back in the summer you know something like that would make an awful lot of sense for someone living in the UK it's not compulsory but hey if they could store your tyres and wheels that'd be a great idea I think you're right there's your business opportunity Max yeah, you were talking you, about you could one. Be right. well I know some cars now offer a kind of in between 4x4 drive don't they all wheel drive I yep. think it's they yeah, yeah. It. and a few years ago Peugeot did a launch of their 2008 and they took us to the Tamworth Snow Dome yeah yeah and we drove well. up the slope <laughs> in all wheel drive we tried a 2008 that didn't have it and then we tried it with the all-wheel drive function, and it worked perfectly well. Oh, that's a great demo, that is. <laughs> I've fallen on my backside on that s- slope. I know how steep it is many times. Have fun. Well, we won't actually get to go off-road, but as we're heading out to Barmouth, hey, we might be able to take this onto the beach. We'll see. 
We've turned up in Barmouth, which is a lovely seaside town. Well, it's a lovely seaside. It's a nice town. And we thought we'd explore, so we got right up to the beach. And just before we crossed onto the beach in the X-Class to see how it would fare in uh, limited grip, I thought, well, we'll just stop. Max was driving. He did the right thing. We stopped. I said, let's just read the sign first. And it says, very clearly, in Cymraeg and in English, warning, it is an offence to take any motor vehicle onto a beach under the Road and Traffic Act 1988. So we won't be going off-road or on the beach in this X-Class. But we've enjoyed pootling around North Wales. It's been so quiet, though. I think you'd enjoy anything in a day like this. It's very pretty. Yeah, thank you very much. I take that personally as a Welshman, you see. Here is very pretty. It's really nice, isn't it? Yeah. Nice stone. My mate Bobby used to come into... Barmouth and Fairbourne for his holidays but he was brought up a Brummie see this is where the Brummies come to Wales this part of Wales oh, belongs that? belongs to the Brummies yeah Rill belongs to Mankinians and Scousers and Clean Peninsula belongs to wealthy people from Cheshire you know so Abersock exactly yeah footballers and lawyers and doctors no, the further you prepare to travel because you've got a big fast car the nicer part of Wales you'll find <laughs> no disrespect to North East Wales which is where I'm from but it caters for a more working class less affluent visitor I think yes that's fair like Italy doesn't it if you go on holiday to Italy yeah and if you go quite regularly you'll know that if you go to the Ligurian coast it's particularly popular with people from Turin yeah because Turin's on that side of Italy the Milanese tend to go to the Adriatic coast for whatever reason and the Florentines people from Florence they go a bit further south to the Tuscan coast can I ask why do Florentinians or whatever they are have to leave anywhere I'd stay there all the time well if you've been there in July and August Gareth and I have a couple of times it's ridiculously hot Florence is in a bowl and uh, I went with my wife years ago before we were married and I remember we got the train there from Bologna and I think I drank about 19 bottles of water Um, (laughs) it was ridiculously hot we were sightseeing and a couple of years ago we did a three week trip around Italy from Venice to Tuscany and back to Bologna and we had a week we went into Florence as a family in the evenings and I found somewhere to park next to the River Arno and it's just so still there's no air and it was 30 32 degrees at like midnight one o'clock in the morning it's incredibly hot do you like driving in italy yeah italy's actually got some really good roads particularly a good good motorway network and obviously if you're prepared to take your life in your hands if you go (laughs) south of rome down towards naples the roads are fantastic but you do have to be rather careful you know that one of the conditions of the italian highway code in order to pass your test in rome Every traffic light you turn up to, if you're driving a Fiat 500 of any age, you have to light a cigarette. That's how they drive in Italy. And they do, on the motorway, they do tend to drive right up your backside. With their indicator on. Yeah, a lot of the motorways, particularly if you're driving from France, from Nice, are two lanes because of the tunnels and it's right on the coast. And having done it quite a few times, I'm getting a bit annoyed with this guy. I'm doing like 120 kmh and he's trying to overtake. Yeah. They want you to pull in when literally there's nowhere for yeah, you to yeah. pull in. But eventually, like you said about Finland earlier, you get used to the way they drive. Yeah, you have to adapt. It's a different language, you know, different countries, different rules, different places. And in Wales, when it's grey like this, you need to pick up. 
Life, they say, is a series of disappointments interrupted by lesser disappointments. I don't know who said that, but I don't think it's true. But there have been a couple of disappointments on the trip today. Number one. We didn't get to go off-road because it was iced up today. And that's a shame, because it would be really nice to have taken that vehicle off-road. I'm certain it's very capable of it. It's certainly tremendously refined on-road. It really is. Second disappointment, we couldn't get on the beach. (laughs) I should have known that was coming. Third disappointment, we get to Port Melion, where we're staying, and we're guided up to the Castell de Dreyth Hotel, this sort of Victorian manse, really, very castellated. And when we checked in, oh, Gareth, yes, you're just up here, and Max, oh, you're down in the village. So he's actually staying in the village, one of the little houses that was in the prisoner. And I have to say, I was disappointed that I wasn't staying in the village. But then I came up to my room and this is a vast room with sofas and giant televisions and a gorgeous huge bed. Ma'am, if I'm disappointed at being in a room like this, then I deserve a slap. And of course, I'm not disappointed. So we're going to meet up a little bit later on about seven o'clock for drinks and then we're going to have dinner together. And, yeah, I'll update you after that. One of the nice things of going on these car review junkets is you get to meet the people who organise the junkets and some of the journalists. I should say that this part of the programme is brought to you by Wrexham Lager. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be hanging out with two fellas who are... Matt. Eisenegger, Matthew Eisenegger from Trade Van Driver magazine and Phil Eaglestone from Export Freight magazine in Northern Ireland. Phil and Matt, have you enjoyed a bit of pickup action in North Wales today? Yeah, Matt? So far, so good. Yeah, it'd be nice to see a little bit more of the off road, but obviously weather has restricted what we've done. But yeah, we've had good driving. Do you drive a lot of pickups? Yes. You got a favourite? Be careful because Ruth yeah, from Mercedes is over there. Um, the jury's still out at the minute, but yeah, the Merc's up there with it, I think, at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it's got a bit of pizzazz about it, I think, which, if you're trying to sell a pickup to a lifestyle market, mm. is going to appeal. And they're good value, I think. Pickups mm. are good value. I've driven the Navarra, I've driven all of them. It's got a bit more, hasn't it? A bit more. Yeah, I think it has, but what do you think? You've driven it. I love it, I love it, I love it. I'm a big fan of all pickups, with the possible exception of the Mitsubishi L200, which looks like you're up to no good, my friend Richard and I agree, but you drive one of those, it looks like you're up to no good. But this is very capable, we never really got anything other than in a bit of a drift on the side today, but it was in forward drive, just pulled away. Yeah, waiting to see the V6 engine, that's what we want, V6 coming next year, Yeah. bit more power. Yeah. I mean, this seems to be the pickup markets going up incrementally, wanting more power, I don't know whether it's the lifestyle thing or the towing thing behind it, but that's going to be an interesting angle. I think that'd be a good one. So, people who buy pickups, what are they towing? Horse boxes? Yeah, especially in Northern Ireland because of it's such an agri type of country. Yeah. Yeah, horse boxes, there could be sheep in the back one day, there could be bales of hay on another. I think, especially with a tax relief on that kind of vehicle. Makes them appealing, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How much of the market do we know? It's commercial use, and how much is people who have a lifestyle? You know, they have a jet ski to throw in the back. I think there's movement. I mean, traditionally, it was sort of commercial driven. But I think it's not the case now. I think if we take a leaf out of the USA's boat, I mean, obviously, the large proportion of the vehicles sold out there are pickups. 
And I think gradually we're moving towards that. Just look at how these vehicles are appointed. I mean, they're like you know, palaces, aren't they? You know, they're, yeah, not, they're, yeah. not, they're not basic vehicles, and they no. are very much... I mean, we're driving a vehicle that's got a three-pointed star on the front of it, and the interior should reflect that. Where did you go today? Did you go and get some pictures of the car somewhere? Yeah, we went up to the Mac Loop. Well, we tried to. We got so far, but it was so impassable, we turned back. So. Even in a 4x4? Four four. Even in a 4 by 4 But we, we, uh, we left RAF Cosford at minus 12 yeah, degrees, yeah. and then we got to here, and it was plus 4. So we've had... Uh, it's rainy <laughs> we, out there now. We did the seaside tour, though, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we, we did. did. We did. Where? Yeah, we did the Mac Loop, had lunch, yeah. and then headed towards the coast, did uh, Barmouth. Barmouth, we passed through Barmouth. Barmouth, came through Port Maddock, out to Cricketh. Yeah, lovely. Turned round, a couple of lads had a fag, came back round again, <laughs> and here we are. There's no one on the roads out there they couldn't have chosen this at a better no, time no. even by North Wales standards it's quiet yeah. I thought we were going to slap a few wing mirrors earlier didn't you door mirrors <laughs> yes even, uh, yeah. I think the, the old set nev took us the pretty way let's say <laughs> change the subject Claxon right we'll come back to pickups again but a minute ago we were talking about the electrification of not just cars but trucks yeah, trucks, yeah. and you spend a lot of time with mm. trucks don't you Matt mm-hmm. so is the Tesla electric truck viable at the moment in your view well it depends how much it's going to be I mean mm. the technology is moving on at a rate of knots I think Tesla they're very bold in what they do they're out there with, you know cutting edge designer things other vehicle manufacturers they're developing their own electric solutions I mean it's big brand classic example my sister-in-law that knows Nothing about trucks. Asked me last week, have you seen that new Tesla truck? Ah. You know, so in relationship to developing their own or demonstrating their own technology, it's great. But I think for an industry thing, I mean, yeah, it's even better because they're probably showcasing and waving the flag for what the industry's doing per se. But 18 months ago, we were with Mercedes-Benz in Germany. They were saying they'll have a vehicle that's marketable by 2020. See, I didn't know that. But we're all aware in the you, car industry you've got, you've, that... You've also you've got to bear in mind that truck manufacturers, generally, you know, they're all looking at different solutions. You know, electrification is one thing, but then we've got other fuels. You know, we've got compressed natural gas, liquid natural gas, that each manufacturer seems to be wanting to develop quickly. And I think, obviously, all of a sudden it seems that diesel's in a bad place, really. Mm. and Unfairly. Yeah, yeah, well, for whatever reason, you know, that's the way the world spins. And this technology has been available for years, but it's only now that we've been forced into a position where the investment's got to come quickly to be able to get these vehicles into the marketplace quickly. Yeah. And I think it's going to be combined technology that's going to do it, certainly in the short to medium term, you know, combination of cars are doing it already, you know, with petrol hybrids. It's going to happen in the bigger world. And not just the vehicles, but the infrastructure supporting oh, them yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, especially the infrastructure. You can have gas-powered vehicles, but if you run out of gas, LPG, where are you going to get it? What's the state of that in the commercial trucking industry at the moment? I'm unaware of this. Well, there was something the government, the Irish government down in the Republic, were giving grants, I think £25,000 towards gas trucks. Oh. I think that was well-received, but as the infrastructure, stations to refuel, I don't think it's there yet. Right, yeah, that's what's holding that sort of development back. Same with hydrogen for cars, which I'm a big fan of. It's mm-hmm. all in the infrastructure. We were talking earlier about, you know, I've been sort of doing this job for the last, I don't know, 15 years or so. And certainly in the last three or four years, I'll, I'll talk a little bit truck about at the moment, but since the introduction of Euro 6, everybody thought that from an emission perspective, you know, we were there. And it's changed so much now in the last sort of two, three years. As I said earlier, diesel. How, how do you mean? Well, diesel's fallen out of favour. You know, right. we, we were at the f- latest development of engine emissions for diesel-powered engines. 
And that's all of a sudden fallen by the wayside. Now, where do we go from here? I mean, seriously, looking quickly, alternative fuels, alternative power sources. More's happened in the last sort of probably five years of commercial vehicle development than happened in the previous 120 years. We are living in exciting times. I tell you, we're that close to matter antimatter reaction engines and warp drive for trucks. Yeah, That'll yeah, change yeah. everything. <laughs> the happy sound of a collection of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, I don't know, about 40 journalists and people from Mercedes-Benz UK who have all just sat down in the Port Mavion Hotel in Port Mavion, which is exquisite and comes with a great cachet for those of us who are old enough to remember the prisoner. We just enjoyed our first course, which I have to say was a plate of scallops with wafer-thin parsnips. Man, it was good. But the company is good tonight as well. I'm still with Matt and Phil, who are sharing pictures of engineering, I think, as far as I can tell. What is that? We're just reminiscing about ancient British aircraft, and that's a picture inside a Vulcan. So it's lovely. Yes, yeah, so we're talking about the old Blackbook missions and what was on board. And can we not have any pornography at the table, please? I'm sitting next to John Sunmer. John, your job title is what? Quality executive for the X class. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. And are you happy with the vehicle that you're now the executive for? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Really am. Yeah. We're really impressed with how well it's turned out. And when you drove it today, as you did yourself, how good it is. And those seats are amazing as well. By the way, how well it performs. Can I ask you some key questions? Go on, far away. Where's it built? Spain. Is it In the Barcelona. same factory that builds the Navara? It is. Yes. It is. Is it yeah. the same line? And how, yes. how much is different? Well. It's probably easier to tell you what is the same. Externally, there are three things that are the same that shares with Navara. One is the bottom of the wing mirrors. Second is the door handles. <laughs> and the third one is the aerial. So none of the body panels? No. Every external body panel has been tweaked or modified completely in some way. And if you see them side by side, that is really apparent. I mean, obviously, the thing is, with it being a pickup, it's going to be a very similar silhouette. Yeah. But... Uh, no, so some internal panels have been changed as well, but externally it's very different. So it's more than just the contact points, because you know if you want to make something seem premium, you change all the contact points. Correctly, yeah. Which has also been done as well, but also the styling is heavy. I noticed. Yeah. I mean, you see the front end; it's very much like a Mercedes-Benz SUV. Yeah. Straight away, that sort of thing, and it's got that very aggressive look. Almost. Aggressive, yeah. It looks purposeful. I just went outside to make a phone call, and seeing all of them parked up in the dark in yeah. the rain <laughs> yeah. it looks like a you know it could be a CIA hit squad I mean functionality you've got to not just deliver a good piece of engineering you've got to sell a, almost an aspirational idea haven't yeah, you yeah absolutely and, and the big thing is, is the amount of standard options on the vehicle so every single one gets a rear view camera right. everyone gets air conditioning yeah. there are seven airbags standard fitted to it yeah. there's lane keeping assist AEB which is the all the braking system as well on there and yeah it's a really special product I was driving around with Max earlier on today and we got very complacent about how refined 
said it was. Yeah. Yeah. You go, hang on a minute, this is a vehicle capable of carrying how much, you know? Yeah, over a ton, over yeah. a ton payload. And the levels of refinement were noticeable, and the finish was yeah. noticeable as well. But you've got to compete, you've got to build a vehicle which is going to do two things, sell to the lifestyle market yeah. and to the commercial user. Yeah. That's a big ask, isn't it? It is, and the key thing that, or some feedback we received, is that people are saying about the interior and how refined it is and how nice it is. Yeah. And that's a really good thing for us because some of the other vehicles can be quite agricultural and we feel we've got a happy medium. It's hard wearing and practical but also it's got that really refined high-end feel which of course being Mercedes-Benz that you'd expect when you purchase it. That must be central to everything you do. It's got yeah. to be a Mercedes-Benz. Correct. How do you install that? What do you do? Well, that's a difficult question actually because half it is engineering yeah. and the guys in the, the bottom of the factory if you like yeah. but also the whole ethos ourselves as well to make sure it performs make sure we spec correctly and that when it comes into the UK we say this is what the market demands and this is what the standard options we want on the vehicle to make it competitive and available there so with Daimler delivered a platform and allowed to do what you will with it or are there still hard points stuff that you're stuck to do you know yeah there are certain things we have to adhere to like the ladder frame chassis but like I say the, the touch points are the suspension being re-engineered the engine again it's been examined by our guys and found to be really good so we kept that along the track's wider as well and every single body panel as well the electrical architecture is Mercedes-Benz on there as well so it's not just the idea it's the execution of the idea that makes it Mercedes-Benz yeah and also not only the products as well it's everything we sell with it the Mobile van uh, so if you need it the connectivity of the vehicle and our 24-hour servicing and our dealer network and all that sort of thing so it's the whole thing it's not just the vehicle it's the whole picture if you like Package. The package, yeah, absolutely right, yes. yes. You've just explained the X-Class to me. Thank you, Sean. Hey, You're probably the right man to ask about it. <laughs> no, 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 thank you. It's good to meet you. Yeah. Hello, it's the morning after the night before. Well, it's yeah, 10 o'clock in the morning and we're on the road again, driving through North Wales, heading west from Port Merion. I'm in the front passenger seat, sitting behind me is Phil. Hello. And driving Matt. Morning. This is a different one to the car you were driving yesterday, isn't it? It is, yeah. What were you in yesterday? Oh, I can't remember. Have you seen? <laughs> it was a long night. <laughs> I hastened to add, there was not too much alcohol consumed and we are perfectly within the driving legal limit of alcohol. Absolutely, of course no, we I, are. I can't remember. What did we have We yesterday? stopped early. Yeah, what, yeah, what did we have yesterday? Um, you had the manual, the pure. No, we had, it was the automated shift. The one we're in now, far more luxury appointed, it's great. And I can't work out, but the driving characteristics are completely different. I must admit, I thought... Personally, I felt I was a little bit harsh with the vehicle we drove yesterday in the sort of criticism of it, but this is a completely different animal. Did you get it out of four-wheel drive on tarmac surface? Yes, we did, we did. And for the simple reason that the way technology is now, you know, transmissions don't wind up the way they used to do, but you just felt in four-wheel drive, it felt to be sort of pushing on into corners a little bit. Yeah, it will. Yeah, yeah. what we're in now, we're in two-wheel drive now. The roads are wet, but it's fine, it's great. Yeah. We are heading west, like I said. The mountains around us are still snow-capped, but sort of washed of some of the snow. It looks uh, pretty gorgeous and yet bleak at the same time. Consolation, when we left Cosford yesterday, it was minus 12, and we're in North Wales now, and it's 6 degrees. Yeah, huge difference. Sorry about that. 
It's more, I feel responsible for the weather in Wales as a Welshman in here. But yeah, Phil, this must remind you of Northern Ireland. You it know, does, it's, yes. It's more actually Donegal-esque, uh-huh. right on the west coast. Yeah. Just the scenery is very much like Donegal, but it's just beautiful, isn't it? Matt, our truck journalists, a different breed to car journalists. Um, well, we deliver this similar stuff you know we'll put words on a page our words on a screen but the things that we look for in the sort of truck world I mean I got my C plus E which is the equivalent of the old class one and I've had that for oh god nearly 20 years and we're looking more at driver comfort it's an important thing you know I mean obviously these vehicles can be away all week so the sort of cab appointment is critical yeah do you have autonomy on trucks yeah, these days well, what sort of level yeah well this big thing is autonomous now autonomy driving that's one thing everybody's sort of scurrying around in the truck world you know we're hearing about I think it's bad press the, the driverless trucks it's not driverless trucks at all they're autonomous vehicles which means the driver is there yeah. and I think it sort of set people a little bit scared in the fact that they could see themselves being out of a job that's not going to be the case but no level of autonomy there's already been trials in Europe where you've got convoys or platooning as I like to call it yeah running around Europe and into Amsterdam earlier this year or back into last year whenever it was which was sort of demonstrating the technologies but there's a trial taking place end of 2018 that's going to show that the vehicles working together on a stretch of the M6 so your autonomous vehicles are a big thing connectivity is an equally big thing which I think is hand in glove where the vehicles are actually connected to each other and talking to each other so the ultimate gain is to be able to find out that further down the road there's a problem the vehicles are relaying the messages between themselves and putting it up on the sat nav telling the driver to alter his route so that's where we're at with that there's a lot more focus on efficiency the environment's a big big concern now nobody wants to see these big trucks rumbling through the villages and towns so obviously environmental issues driven by Europe are sort of key really that's where we're at with it so you dealing with all the same issues that car drivers deal with you've got the same sort of tech you probably go to the same launches do you ask the same questions do you behave the same yeah, as well, car journalists well, I suppose in one respect it's refreshing but there seems to be a lot more closeness between car journalists and I suppose commercial vehicle journalists from a van perspective which gladly the age profile is rapidly reducing so we're getting a lot of younger people coming in which is great Yeah. but me being sort of late 40s I'm still regarded as one of the youngsters in the truck journalist fraternity Yeah. the mickey taking's different uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. probably a bit more coarse a bit more vulgar and a bit more truck based but no it's a similar job but we probably see as well on trucks and vans to a certain extent sort of the delivery of the media is probably more traditional in relationships we're still like paper you know we're still putting words onto a page where it's not a new broom if you will probably driven from the car side of it it's more online blogs podcasts those sorts of things it's just different from a journalistic perspective and a reporting perspective it's exactly the same you know we're there to do a job and listen and then form an unbiased opinion and offer information you know Phil, are you doing it for a national publication, or is it, you're based in Northern Ireland? Yes, I know yeah, that. Yeah. It goes all the way around Northern Ireland, down south, and then occasionally in the mainland. And do you drive a wide range of things, sir? Yeah. I am actually doing my Class 2 in January, so yep. that will allow me to drive anything to, I think it's what, 17, isn't it? Is that where it's 17 tons? 18. 18. 18. 18. So that will broaden my diversity of vehicles but I've been lucky enough on private roads such as Millbrook I've been allowed to drive the DAFs LF XF 
CF and are they well yeah. 10 tonners or the 30 tonners they, they are ticks are they uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know you'll have yes, to tell yeah, me 40, 44 tonnes man we just went through a huge puzzle it's a good job we're in a 4x4 four four. I think if I was in my Sora it would have sank <laughs> 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 sorry Phil that must be satisfying it is, I'd like it to it drive is, a truck it is it, the, the only problem with the truck industry now is drivers they're not getting any younger. I think the average age, the last one, was a 56. Right. Because it's an industry that I think the younger generation that are coming out of school, it's not very popular, it's not fashionable. Maybe if your father was a truck driver, yeah. or it's, it's very family-orientated. But these trucks now, you're driving them, you've got to remember they're £100,000-plus vehicles. Yeah, yeah. And they've got to really raise the issue about the age of truck drivers. You can have all these fancy trucks with everything, all the bells and whistles, but there's no drivers to drive them. There's right. going to be a big shortage in the next couple of years. That's kind of worth knowing. There you go, there's a good tip. If you've got any late teenagers or 20-somethings in your house who are looking for a career, there's going to be an opening in the world of truck driving until full autonomy takes over. Yeah, I was just going to say that quite interestingly now, it has been identified. I mean, there's going to be a massive driver shortfall. And there's various organisations now that are actively promoting apprenticeship schemes, which as drivers and working in logistics as well, which logistics has always been there, but actual offering an apprenticeship as a driver has never, certainly to the best of my knowledge, has never happened before. Right, that's fascinating. I wonder if they'll take this 56-year-old. <laughs> fellas it's been lovely travelling with you and chatting with you and enjoying the vehicles over the last few days where can we read about your reviews of this this will be in Trade Van Driver magazine I get it all the time (laughs) thank you (laughs) and yours Phil Export Freight which will be out the 7th of January I can even tell you that much I always believe that to be a proper driver you've you're going to ride a bike through London, you're going to drive an Arctic through London <laughs> and a bus through Glencoe in February. Then you're a proper driver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've done all. Yeah, experience. All, all the spirits of driving. Yeah, because the first line in the highway code is you share the highway with other users. Mm-hmm. So you better understand what their exactly. needs are. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, it's been fun understanding the needs of pickup users. With you guys, I was Gareth. This was Gareth Jones on Speed. See ya. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! <laughs>